Welcome to Leadership, The Journey with No Summit, with best-selling author and retired U.S. Army Major General, Robert W. Mixon, Jr. Best known for his ability to inspire audiences, motivate teams, build leaders, and create cultures of excellence, Robert shares effective values-based leadership strategies and tools your team can put into practice immediately that will fuel your company's lasting success. Now, here is your host, Robert Mixon. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the third in our series of uh, the Journey With No Summit, uh, the Level 5 podcast series. And today we're going to focus on the big six principle, listen. And to help us in that journey, uh, we're privileged to have with us today Mr. Bill Carpenter, who is the CEO of the Rochester Genesee Regional Transportation Authority. And welcome, Bill. Hey, Robert. Thanks very much for the invitation. Glad to be here. Well, you know, Bill, obviously as a leader, you've been on a journey, uh, your organization uh, here in Western New York, you oversee the public transportation for an eight county area of 1.2 million people and more than 18 million customers annually. And I think your workforce is about a thousand, is that correct? Just over 900 employees uh, is serving uh, mobility throughout the eight county region, that's right. Well, you've certainly been in the midst of transport transformation, uh, as well as transportation. Is that fair? That's fair. Uh, we're reimagining our system uh, here in Monroe County, which is where Rochester, New York is uh, the county seat. Uh, we've got a system that 40 years ago worked well. Uh, and what we've done is made minor changes to it over the last 40 years. But in the last two years, we've gone out to the community, uh, listened to what they want, what they need, what we're capable of doing, and uh, we've now got a design that we'll implement about a year from now to uh, change how public transportation and mobility is delivered in our community. Terrific, terrific. And I've, I've been privileged to know you now for almost two years and, and watch some of this journey unfold as a senior leader guiding an organization, complex organization, uh, with years of history, which is uh, a good news and a bad news story sometimes, right? Uh, that's right. Uh, the work of making sure that we know exactly what we're trying to do and getting clarity around that, getting a singular focus around that end state, uh, and then to aligning our executive team and our leadership team around uh, that azimuth uh, that I heard about in your last podcast and yeah. we heard about in the training. Cool. Uh, really helped align the organization. I think that's really uh, supported us with ending up with a great recommendation that our board just recently unanimously approved. Congratulations, Bill. Uh, just a heck of an accomplishment that uh, you, you and your team have put together. But looking back on your personal leadership journey, uh, Bill, where do you think your strengths and weaknesses are as a listening leader? Uh, you know, very early in my career, uh, I had someone uh, explain to me that I was uh, mediocre when it came to listening skills. And I said, but I'm, I'm a great listener. I hear what people have to say. Uh, and the person said, unless a person who's speaking knows that you've heard them, uh, then you haven't listened well. And so what I've found over time is uh, by nature, I'm collaborative. I really want to hear what the other person has to say. Uh, I can be compassionate, uh, sympathetic, empathetic, Unless I get distracted, unless the urgent and the important is pressed on, and I love distractions. Mm -hmm. So you think your strengths now 
are increasing in terms of that empathetic listening? Uh, that uh, there's a, a number of habits I've developed uh, to make sure I've got the focus uh, during the time that we're together uh, and just uh, really appreciating uh, the energy that it takes to be an empathetic listener. And when someone asks for time with me to look at my calendar, not just that we've got time to talk, but I've got the energy to really engage in the conversation. Uh, those things uh, have really improved my game. It's hard sometimes though, isn't it, to focus? Uh, as a CEO, there are hundreds of things uh, that can have your focus. <laughs> uh, but the most important thing when there's someone sitting across from you, whether it's a direct report in a one-on-one -on -one setting, uh, a customer, uh, a stakeholder in the community, they need to know that you've given them their, your full focus. Okay. And uh, that's, um, when you can do that, and then back that up with a back brief so that they know not only did they feel as though I was paying attention, but it's confirmed that I've heard what they've had to say. Uh, really get uh, high points and, uh, from the, the speaker that, okay, you've got it. And we had over 150 meetings with the community as part of this project we've just done. Uh, and I think the end result, the unanimous support, uh, shows we really did listen well uh, throughout the process. So what do you think your biggest challenge is in creating a listening culture, not only in Bill Carpenter, but in the team that you lead, your executive team, your organizational team, your constituency, right? You've got stakeholders across the community and the political environment. How do you nurture a listening culture in that diverse audience? Well, we've got uh, an organization. I've been CEO uh, over seven years and I inherited a high performing organization based on a command and control culture. Uh, the team of leaders had lots of experience with uh, what I learned to be critical listening, uh, where uh, as people talked about the problem, it was, hey, has the goal been met or not been met? If there's a gap, why didn't you meet it? Uh, not listening, uh, do you have the resources you need? Am I understanding the problem correctly? It was more, uh, hey, if you didn't hit it, what went wrong? And moving to empathetic listening the team needs to know the desired end state. Uh, for us, uh, our mission statement reads, we partner with the communities we serve to provide safe and sustainable mobility, offering better access, frequency, and reliability. And we break that down into different elements for the different departments. So the conversation is often about the necessary resources to achieve that end state. It's not, did you hit the goal or not, but you know, I'm, I know what the end state is, and I'm not able to achieve it with the resources I have. Uh, the listening style is proactive and affirming, empathetic, as compared to being critical. The team members need to feel to know that it's safe to discuss gaps in progress. It takes time, and it takes skill development. Uh, it takes modeling that type of empathetic listening. Uh, was talking recently about uh, another transit agency that had asked what we had done in our project to be so successful. And we talked about having over 150 meetings uh, with the community. And uh, as I left, I said, it's not enough to have the meetings. The people need to know that they've been heard. And then your plan has to reflect the problems that they identify. You need to address those. It's not just enough to go out and talk. 
you have to go out and listen mm -hmm. and then do a handshake, uh, whether again, it's one-on-one -on -one with a direct report up here or uh, 50 or 75 people in a town hall meeting, they need to know they've been heard and that you repeat back what they're saying. Um, and then you adjust uh, what uh, you've heard, you adjust uh, your plans uh, to collaborate and come up with a better outcome than what you had when everyone walked in the room. What about with your senior executives? Uh, how, have you, how have you been working with them to improve their listening skills? Uh, particularly with the senior executives, uh, I'd say there's two things. The skill development that I mentioned, uh, we have worked with level five associates uh, and some specific uh, skill development uh, that you and your team have brought uh, to our table. Um, but in my one-on-ones, it's uh, I'm modeling uh, successful listening skills or not. And I've asked them, uh, hold me accountable. Uh, as part of my good. personal leadership philosophy, I tell them my goal is to be a good listener. And my expectation is if I'm falling short, uh, if I've got the computer on, if I'm calling my assistant during the meeting, call me out. Uh, and I'm okay with calling them out if they don't call me out. Hey, we're, we're trying to achieve a high standard here. We're trying to be as productive as possible. So you need to hold me accountable. I need to model uh, the right behavior. Uh, so let's uh, achieve uh, the goal we're all working towards. Mm -hmm. So how do you measure their progress? Uh, that's uh, a great question as far as a listener goes. Uh, I have one uh, member of the executive team uh, who I would say is quieter than the rest. And I, I think my executive team would know who I'm talking about. Uh, but if he doesn't back brief with me, I'll ask him to back brief. And it's astounding the clarity with which he's understood our conversation. Uh, and yet, without that back brief, uh, I'm not sure he's heard at all. Uh, and again, the back brief with some others, um, it, the conversation has been heard, but people have begun to think, okay, so if that's a problem, here's a solution I'm gonna begin to work on. I said, well, I just wanna make sure we understand the problem together. And as they do their back brief, they're already describing the solution rather than what's been discussed. So it's an iterative process, uh, constant uh, working with each other uh, and uh, watching uh, really the whole team improve as a result. Okay. So that one-on-one -on -one focus for you has been powerful. Very powerful. And the preparation going into the one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, I think to be a good listener, you've got to have some set questions you want to ask. It's very easy uh, to have your day be interrupted, uh, the pattern, a wonderful calendar, say, well, I, I'm prepared for this meeting, uh, and to find there's a fire to be put out, uh, someone to be congratulated, a celebration to attend, and you walk in. If you've not got your notes ahead of time, if you don't have your format ahead of time, it's easy to be ineffective in that initial period of time. Whereas if you can have the outline, if be asking, hey, what's your biggest problem that you want to focus on this week? Uh, some follow-up questions uh, from the prior meeting that you've highlighted. So you already have those notes when you get together. Uh, that really makes the time more productive. Uh, and people look forward to knowing 
this is going to be a productive time uh, as opposed to ineffective time. Good, Bill. Thanks. Uh, can you give us an example of someone that you admire and respect as a listener and, and why? Uh, you know, uh, there was a former county executive, Maggie Brooks, who I had uh, the good privilege to work for. Uh, she had been in broadcasting, uh, then got into politics and was uh, the first woman elected county executive. And uh, after three terms, she was term limited. Uh, I worked for her during her first term, the first four years. Uh, she always gave her full attention. And I don't know if it was her reporter background, just natural skills, but she listened to tone, to body language. Uh, you felt like she captured all of you uh, <laughs> as she was listening to you. Yeah. Uh, and at the end of the time, you always had a commitment from her as to what she was able to do there. And times that meant, Bill, I, I, do I understand this to be what you're looking for? There isn't anything I can do about that. Or uh, thanks so much for bringing that to my attention. We're going to find a way to work together on that. And uh, when she retired, I had uh, the good fortune uh, of her being able to work uh, at the Rochester Genesee Regional Transportation Authority uh, for the last several years until her recent retirement. And she modeled great listening skills uh, in our regular staff meetings uh, with her team, and then certainly out in the community where anyone that she met with uh, felt that uh, our organization had given that stakeholder our full attention with a commitment if there was something we could do to solve their problem, it would be done. She's just a, a world-class, uh, high-watermark uh, listener. Um, it was uh, easy for her to come to mind. And you think that her listening skills enabled uh, a higher degree of respect? Uh, you know, someone said uh, at one time, uh, you know, I think the greatest skill that she brought uh, to our organization was that anyone in town would take her phone call. And what I take that to mean is any conversation that she had had uh, through her time as county executive, as a reporter, uh, she had earned the respect of everyone that she spoke to. Um, and so there, there's a lot of ongoing behavior and how people responded to her and how people right now miss her in the organization uh, because uh, she really was perceptive in what the problems were that needed to be addressed in the collaborative way in which they could be solved. Thanks. Thanks, Bill. I mean, I had the privilege of knowing Maggie too, not as well as you, but I certainly would echo some of your comments about her ability to focus, to be in the moment, and to make you feel like you were the only person in the room. Yeah. I just think it's a wonderful skill uh, of leadership. What, what advice would you give other executives in developing a core of leaders who actively work at listening to understand versus listening to reply? You know, I mentioned earlier, there's some simple things that you can do. Uh, you know, one of them, uh, put your phone in the drawer, turn the computer monitor off, tell the assistant you're not to be disturbed. Uh, some of the easy distractions, and we all see it, whether it's at the store, the traffic light, people walking down the street, everyone wants to maximize a moment. And when there's a pregnant pause in the conversation, it's very easy if your phone is there, lights up when you get an email to have your eyes dart to the phone. And what you're saying 
to the person you're supposed to be listening to uh, is that you don't have my full attention. So uh, we put those things away uh, and then we ask clarifying questions. Uh, you know, you're, you're talking about a, a shortage of resources. Uh, you know, tell me more about that. Uh, is it because the time constraint is too tight? Uh, or even with more time, uh, you wouldn't be able to achieve it. Uh, but what do you think is uh, the fundamental issue? Uh, and then uh, for me, uh, one of my guiding principles is I can't begin to talk about a solution until the back brief is done. Uh, so before I say, well, you know, here's what we're going to do, I need to say, if I've understood you correctly, uh, is this uh, what your experience is? This is what your observation, this is what you want me to know? Uh, and to get that back brief done uh, before we talk about solutions. So the, the outcome of the, the initial conversation is all about making sure the other person has been understood. Uh, that keeps it empathetic, it keeps it focused on understanding. Uh, and you know, one of the things uh, I learned uh, you know, eight or 10 years ago uh, is how much of the brain gets engaged when you describe a problem. And all of us have had this experience. We walk into our boss's office with a problem and in describing the problem, an answer becomes readily apparent. Uh, and so if you've done a good job just getting the person to clarify the question, often the solution becomes self-evident uh, to the individual. Uh, so again, focus on making sure they've been understood, uh, that you've heard uh, their body language, that you've heard their tone of voice. Are they getting frustrated with this? Are they excited? Share that, not just the, the words that you've heard, but the tone and body language that you've picked up as well. You'll find them to be fully engaged and uh, be looking forward to the next time they get together with you. Okay. Well, thanks, Bill. What else would you like to share with the audience about your leadership style? What's been most effective in your journey and your career? Uh, one of my observations about my leadership style is uh, throughout my career uh, is people get to know me. Uh, they trust me. Uh, they want to do business with me. Uh, that they have the sense that I have their best interests. And I think the foundation for that is uh, the top value in my personal leadership philosophy uh, is integrity. Uh, I want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing when nobody's looking. I want to do the right thing when no one will care. Uh, and I think people pick up on that. Uh, and they're willing to begin to attach themselves to someone that has uh, integrity as a core value that if I put my lot in with this person, uh, do I need to worry about uh, counting fingers after a handshake or my wallet after a transaction? Um, but the next step is uh, my personal mission statement is to help improve the people and systems I care about so that individuals and the communities around me achieve more. And as you work with me, I think my team knows that my win is when the team wins. And it's when the community is well served. And so putting together a team that's looking to improve the community collectively, uh, being led by someone whose core mission 
is to improve the individuals and the community as best as I can, uh, really has put together a, uh, a team that I would say is second to none in public transit. Uh, really uh, would not be where I am uh, in public transit without the folks that have come together and said, let's go on that journey together with you, Bill. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Bill. What, you know, what else would you like to, to talk about uh, today as we're having this conversation? Are there, are there other tools that you think executives can put in their toolbox to continue to create this uh, culture of, of caring? Uh, I think one of the, uh, elements about leadership uh, somewhere along the way each leader needs to understand someone else's behavior is just someone else's behavior uh, too often as a leader you see someone and they say why are they doing that to me uh, and to the extent that is a leader you can begin to uh, just understand each person comes from their own life experiences uh, that they have their way of solving problems uh, and when you can allow them the freedom to be their best selves, that not everything is a challenge to the leader, that uh, they just have a different way of achieving that end state and providing a clear end state so everyone knows what success looks like, uh, allows others to be their best selves. Uh, and when you can allow them to do that, uh, is a, another leader I admire said, well, the stars begin to align. And uh, as you get the stars to align, uh, well, then bigger goals are possible. Uh, people don't feel I have to do it Bill's way. I can do it my way. And uh, is I allow them to be the best leader they can be. Their teams are led by great leaders. Uh, and then it's a matter of leaders leading leaders who are creating other leaders instead of a leader managing people to accomplish some tasks. Um, and when you make that fundamental change of everyone leading their own area to get to a desired end state that they all understand, uh, it, it, amazing, amazing things can be accomplished. That's great, Bill. I appreciate your insights very much. And I think the, the audience uh, will echo some of that appreciation. Is the concept of servant leadership that I think you're describing is about us. Uh, one of my favorite colleagues of people I admire is General Stan McChrystal, uh, United States Army retired, uh, wrote, he's written some great books. So Team of Teams is one of, of my favorites. And there he talks about executive leadership being more of a gardener than a chess master. And I think when you're talking about creating a listening culture, you're talking about becoming a gardener more than a chess master. And more than moving the pieces on the board, you're nurturing the seeds of leadership growth. Yeah, really allowing everyone, whatever their seed is, to flourish as best they can. Make sure you get the weeds out of the way, uh, but allow each to flourish in their own field. Uh, celebrate their accomplishments. Uh, I, 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 like, uh, I like what he had to say very much. Yeah. Great, Bill. Well, it's great having you all here today uh, as part of the podcast program. I've certainly learned a lot, and I hope the folks in our audience have learned a lot. Uh, you know, we're going to continue our journey together uh, with the podcast series. I'm pleased to announce that we've got uh, 
several other senior executives who graciously agreed to come on the podcast and talk about each of the big six principles and some of their, their lessons learned. Uh, next time, we'll be talking about trust and empower, another of the big six principles. But I think, Bill, you've contributed tremendously to all of our learning uh, journey uh, progress today. And I want to thank everyone uh, for joining us and look forward to the next podcast. Uh, and Bill, certainly wish you and the Rochester Genesee Regional uh, Transportation Authority all the best in your reimagine efforts, which I think will serve all of us uh, in the community more effectively uh, in a caring and listening way and getting them the support they need to enrich their lives. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Robert. Thank you for listening to Leadership, The Journey with No Summit. Subscribe to us on your favorite listening app to always get the latest episodes and show notes.